Sports Professor Rick Harrow, and we are on the record. Every week, this podcast will take you inside the $1.3 trillion business of sports, the top deal-making issues, the top tech issues, and the top social responsibility issues, plus a blockbuster interview with someone who you might not have heard from in the world of sports, but having a profound effect on its impact. Let's get started. Sports Professor Ricardo and the $1.3 trillion business of sports with uh, the biggest week probably of the summer and maybe even more. I'm here across the pond at St. Andrews with the coronation of Cameron Smith at 20 under par, breaking Tiger Woods's old course record and setting everybody in a tizzy, as they would say over here, with the economic impact of nearly $300 million. Cameron Young, second. Rory McIlroy, third. But the big issues then heading to the All-Star game for baseball and on and on. Looking at deal-making issues, three to one. Three. ESPN reports the summer sports lineup had been raking in the views. NBA, NHL Finals, Wimbledon helping boost the ratings for ESPN content. Nick 620,000 viewers across ESPN, ESPN2, ABC, up 41% from the coverage of the Grand Slam Wimbledon last year. Major League Baseball's Home Run Derby, WNBA's postseason, and a whole host of other issues like the NHL Finals and the NBA Finals are adding to this dealing with some of the effects of COVID, even though lucky enough to keep all seasons on track in terms of where they fell on the schedule, certainly viewing habits really important. Two. In WSL, implementing the video assistant referee technology for the 2023 season, the League Board of Governors made officiating a priority in its two-day meetings in New York last week and this week in voting to invest in the AI-driven real-time referee tool. Support from the Board of Governors to do whatever is necessary in that position, says the Commissioner and Paramount Plus and Twitch broadcasting these events over time. Obviously, picking up some significant viewership. One. And then, deal-making issue number one. It's right 200 yards from here, St. Andrews. RNA chief, Martin Slumbers, blasting the Saudi-funded Live Golf Series as being driven by money. He says that the $150 million in prize money, the 48 players, uh, bigger named signing bonuses, and on and on, is an example of, quote, undermining the merit-based culture and the spirit of the sport. Greg Norman says that's a testament to their stupidity, quite honestly, and the rhetoric goes on and on and continues. But I will tell you here, everybody incredibly excited about an amazing tournament that we just finished here in St. Andrews. And our guest will elaborate on this. PGA of America has been very important as a partner with one of the majors, the PGA Championship. Joe Staranka, the former head of the PGA of America, responsible for 27,000 club pros. He's responsible, has been, for strategy and streaming, etc., in what is effectively an $84 billion in industry with 150 million golfers, golfers and 35 million of them avid just in the U.S. alone. And obviously, Joe Steranka has a lot to tell us about his opinions of where golf is and where it's going. Kind of in, honoring, uh, in honor of the uh, 150th Open Championship, here's Joe Steranka. 
you have a very background, the uh, Bullets in the NBA uh, and the Cavaliers. It is kind of interesting. Director of PR out of school and your first year with the Cavaliers, I believe you went through four coaches, 29 players and a 15 and 67 record. So you got to it. You earned your money pretty quickly, didn't you? You know, that year with Ted Stepien um, really helped define who, who Joe Starenka was. Uh, I was the youngest uh, public relations director in the NBA, and I, I came out as one of the most experienced. A lot of good uh, crisis management um, experience. And, that, you know, that's what you, you know in business. If things go according to the game plan, uh, it's a lot easier to run, whether it's the Ryder Cup or... Um, you know, and the the game plan for uh, owning an NBA franchise. Uh, but it's when things go sideways that, uh, you know, real CEOs have to step up. And, you know, I've, I've had some things that went according to plan and they were fun and easy. And then things that uh, did not that, you know, made me uh, uh, focus and, and pay a little more attention and, and in many cases uh, develop a new uh, skill set. Well, listen, you are a prolific planner and a prolific consensus builder. And uh, we can talk about a lot of the years, but fast forward to the uh, 1988 uh, beginning and then 25-year history with the PGA of America. Uh, I, I find uh, being the egotist that I've, and almost narcissistic egotist that I am, I find your traits uh, splendid. One of your, I guess, Golf Digest articles when you were stepping away from the PGA, you were saying basically, all right, let's not make a big deal of this. It would have grown anyway. Well, that's not true. You had 27,000 club pros, and you basically, if not put it on the map, you built its brand. I assume you're proud of what you did at PGA of America. Yes. When you're entrusted to lead an organization uh, that has as rich a history as the PGA, it's a great honor, and, and it's a great responsibility. You're not just representing yourself. Um, or the events, but really the, those PGA initials are among the most uh, marketable and memorable in the entire world of, of sports. So those 27,000 PGA professionals, their identity uh, comes from those initials. You want to make them bigger and better and all, always uphold uh, the, the traditions of the game of golf, which is what makes the game so, so special to all of us. We'll talk about some of the specifics in a minute, especially with the relative governance structures of all the majors, all the different tours, and now Saudi. We'll get to that. But pandemic, some people say, may have changed golf. Uh, I saw from our friend Joe Bettis, there were about 25 million additional rounds in 21 versus 20, and we can understand why. What's your take on golf and pandemic, post-pandemic golf? Well, let's face it, um, we're humans, uh, we crave human interaction, and there was a period of time where it was safer and easier to, to go play around a golf um, with someone, be they a family member or a friend, uh, than it was to go share a meal. So yeah. uh, golf um, took advantage of that, and, and goodness knows uh, we needed it to get outside in the fresh air. Uh, get some sunlight, uh, and and do something to take our mind off. You know what was uh, truly one of the the most uh, 
anxiety-ridden challenges that we'll face. Uh, People of of every every, uh, uh, generation um, were troubled by it. And and golf was something we could do that would bring us together. Uh, The other thing that happened um, is it gave uh, the infrastructure for new golf entertainment projects some time to catch up with demand. Uh, so not only was it Top Golf, but it was Drive Shack um, you know, that TaylorMade helped get off the ground. Uh, Tiger Woods uh, partnering uh, with Greg Bartoli to do Pop Stroke, uh, right. something that Ken Kennerly recently um, went to, to run. Uh, you know, so you're seeing these golf entertainment experiences uh, be something that gets a club in people's hands and gives them, as Joe Bettis called it, the shot euphoria from, you know, that one shot that keeps us coming back. And they also incorporate a lot of the gamification of the game. And the fact of the matter is when you uh, get introduced to golf uh, in any format, whether it's putt-putt or, uh, you know, going to one of these, these great drive shack locations, you're interested in doing what uh, they seem to do so naturally and easy on television. The fact that golf has its own uh, television network in the golf channel and is one of the most uh, televised sports year round. And the athletes are interesting and exciting and handsome and good looking. So, you know, uh, we all want to be like Mike or in this case, uh, Justin Thomas. I assume that you consider pop stroke, top golf, drive shack all of that golf for purposes of growing the game right absolutely when um when you are asked hey you know do you play basketball you're they're not people aren't asking you if you play aau (laughs) uh, youth or uh you know in a 40 and over league that they like well you go out in your backyard and do you shoot baskets with your you know son or in my case my my granddaughter so um, right. No, you know, all all anything that has to do with the ball and the club and the you know a target goal uh, uh, and the fun that comes along with with it, achieving that goal and the laughter that accompanies a, a, a miserable failure in the in the shot. 150 million golfers, according to the last study, probably more. But when you look at the numbers, how do we preserve and grow the game based on these wonderful? post-COVID numbers that are even getting better? Well, the industry is, is recognizes what works, and they're, they're doubling and tripling down. So not only was, uh, you know, PGA Junior League a great success, uh, drive, chip, and putt that Augusta National helped support, and the USGA and the LPGA doing the Girls Golf Club to, to reach out to, to girls and, and ride that uh, momentum of, of Title IX introducing a lot more uh, girls uh, and women to to sports at a younger age. So uh, more investment than ever before. And let's face it, you know, the people that belong to clubs and courses, we want to get our kids involved in the sport. Um, So right now, the actually, it's a a challenge for many retail businesses. It's keeping your employees well rested and motivated so they can come out and deliver, you know, consistent, high-quality services. It, 
that's a challenge, whether you're running a restaurant and, and trying to find servers and, and cooks or uh, running a golf uh, business and, you know, keeping your instructors and, and outside operations staff and your golf professional, uh, you know, well-rested. It's been a busy time uh, and, and, and uh, some people have, have worked some very long hours. Yeah, it's a good perspective on us. And, and when you mentioned girls and you mentioned the new people in the golf world, you got to mention the kids and, and the kids meaning the junior golf programs, but also an interesting slant on college. Uh, people sometimes think of this whole NIL process of buying athletes and the transfer portal with some disdain. I mean, partially my take is that these athletes now believe there is a payday at the end of the rainbow short of the actual PGA Tour. And there are some opportunities to really want to go to college and play or JUCO and otherwise. What's your take on it? Um, well, maybe there is. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> we're literally uh, at the start of, of this. Um, you know, so we'll see how it plays out. What I see is uh, that People, for the most part, at the at the high school and junior and collegiate level, they play for the love of the game and the love of competition. Um, you know, they they have developed some skill in that particular sport, and it, it, they're not not going into it because they think that they can, um, you know, make some money from uh, an, endorsing an energy drink or you know, a new fitness routine. So uh, I, that's a byproduct of this. Uh, once again, I think it'll be a very small percentage of the athletes, st student athletes that, that, you know, make any meaningful money from that. And, and again, people aren't going to choose to, to do all the things it takes um, to prepare themselves and train and, you know, uh, uh, sacrifice some hours of, of going out with your, your fellow classmates and having a good time because you got to go, you know, do something to prepare for your sport. And you, you're not just, you know, you're going to do that because you love the sport, not because you're going to, you know, chase a, a few dollars. And my, that's my fair. Opinion. My opinion too. And as long as you love it, uh, you, as long as you play it, uh, and as long as you don't burn out, you're going to, you're going to love it even more. Uh, talk about the real estate aspect of this. Uh, the study that I've mostly seen recently Talked about $8 billion in new home construction over a five-year period. Yet there's a lot of conversation, the California legislative initiative, to try to make it more difficult for golf courses to expand, to eliminate some of the tax breaks from it. Where is the kind of real estate industry where the golf course development and resort process used to be such a big deal? Is it okay? Is it, is it, where's it going? It's it's thriving. Uh, you know, this desire to um, have a, a, a community that you could join that uh, offered great golf, but also great amenities and services in a, in a closed and safe environment. It made a lot of private clubs uh, what they are today, where, where they have higher joining fees and longer waiting lists. And so the real estate that is attendant to that, whether it's in the gates of a gated community or in, in the neighborhoods nearby, have also benefited. Um, 
COVID also, uh, you know, produced a record number of people that are saying, hey, I'm done working. I, I'm going to go enjoy <laughs> right. life. Uh, and more um, often than not, they're going to do that in places that you can have a, a year-round um, outdoor lifestyle. On and so the Sun Belt, the south part of the United States and, and, the, and the west coast of, of this country, are seeing a boom unlike any uh, else. So, yeah, that side of it is going well. Um, it, there's a flip side to you know that the the cost is going up, um, you know, for these homes, uh, and and also for the people that work at those facilities. So, you know, the rents are going up, um, and that adds to the challenge of being able to attract and retain and you know comp fairly compensate the people that are delivering the services, you know, for America's golf courses. Back to the pro world, just for a few minutes before we wrap up uh, governance, you were front and center in the middle of it as a uh, unique politician, uh, conciliatory uh, uh, peacemaker, one world war three, but every major governed by another entity or every major uh, category and uh, is it difficult today to coordinate with the four majors basically being run by different structures and the women and the, and the, the, the boys, et cetera? Have we come a long way? Is it better today than it used to be? Uh, I think, you know, necessity uh, creates, you know, greater, stronger partnerships. And golf had to come together during the pandemic. Um, we had uh, states and municipalities and the federal government guiding people to stop uh, their behavior. And, and it, it uh, required the game to come together, the, not just the, the people that run the major championships and, and the respective tours, but the people that operate um, and have members who operate golf courses, the Club Managers Association, yeah. the Golf Course Superintendents Association, and certainly the PGA of America. So um, I'm proud of, you know, what I, I saw, the people I'd worked with through the years and my successors at the PGA, the leadership they showed to, to bring the game together. Um, you know, we had, you know, challenges during our time too. Um, the Shoal Creek controversy really opened the door for how we, um, more fairly, uh, you know, embraced race as a, as a part of the fabric of our game and, and made the game more inclusive and changed policies and practices to make that happen. Um, we dealt with uh, economic challenges around the recession in, in 2008. And we came together, uh, you know, to bring the Olympics into our sport, uh, which is a huge catalyst for the global growth of the game. So two more big money questions, and then we, uh, we you know, go play golf. Uh, one is the uh, gaming industry. Uh, you know, before 2018, people had no idea what was going to happen. Uh, the state we live in, they're never going to get their act together, seemingly, but over 40 states will. Uh, is it moving in the right direction? How is it impacting golf? Are you nervous about any part of it? Uh, is it generating the revenue it should? And is the revenue going to places it should? It's kind of a, you know, 90 part question, but what's your overall take? <laughs> Rick, you're always good at those uh, <laughs> multi-factor questions, but 
The short answer is it, it brings more entertainment in the, into the sport of, of golf. And golf is very unique in, the, in terms of the proposition bets. Uh, who's going to hit it closer to the hole in a par three? Who's going to hit the hit driver uh, on the, the tightest driving hole on the course? So those are the types of things that um, when you go to golf tournaments and you, you see the the folks in the stands in the front row and they're exchanging one dollar bills as they go back and forth, you know, uh, betting on uh, on closest to the hole who's who who made the putt. Uh, now that you know comes to our homes, uh, it will increase the the number of minutes of 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 content uh, that is consumed uh, and build a greater fandom. So no, I think it, it's great. Uh, no real concerns. You know, the data that uh, you get from this is also very valuable to see what what is driving uh, interest and in, in consumption. And if there is anything untoward um, from a, a betting standpoint, uh, the algorithms, you know, really identify that. So in effect, uh, you know, it, it, it keeps a, a, a tighter control on, on anything that uh, you wouldn't want to see happen connected with gambling and sports. Yeah, final kind of uh, – it, it's not tough because we don't know how it's going to evolve yet, and everybody is uh, kind of staking their own position out. The the whole Saudi guaranteed appearance, give me your overall take as much as you can. I know you're directly involved in, in some of this, but just, you know, uh, uh, philosophically, where what, what do you think of this whole, whole world? Well – um, let's look at the, the, the most popular and the greatest players of all time. And, uh, you know, Jack Nicholas with 18 major championships, uh, and 19 second place finishes. Let's yeah, not forget right. that. Um, you know, and the Arnold Palmers and Tom Watsons of this world. Uh, and Tiger Woods comes along as, uh, you know, the next great hope and he doesn't have, um, you know, a goal to, to be the first billion dollar, uh, golfer out there. Uh, although he probably accomplished that, um, you know, he sets his goal based on, uh, Jack Nicklaus that he'd like to get 19 major championships. Yeah. So it's, it's my belief that again, um, and maybe it's Pollyannish, but I'll go back to the, to the, uh, uh, NIL uh, discussion about college sports. At some point, it money is not going to motivate people. It's their place in the history of their sport. Where do they rank among the all-time greats? Um, and so, you know, playing for major championships and FedEx titles and LPGA uh, titles—that's what's what's going to mean the most. And and so I I don't see any meaningful. Uh, move away from the the uh, existing tours as they are, and uh, but it's competition's good. Uh, this will uh, bring some new ideas to uh, uh, our sport, which, admittedly, to, you know, we're conservative when it comes to change. Uh, I, I guess my view is when when things are going well, I'm not that motivated to see change. Uh, yeah. But you don't want to. You don't want to miss an exciting new opportunity, but I, I think you're saying it now with uh, the introduction of gaming and and more events uh, that that have you know 
a team aspect than, than ever before. Well, a very important perspective, as Joe gives us, as we focus on other sports besides golf coming off of an incredible week or two. How about the Sports Gambling Minute? Maryland sports betting is great, making great progress, but they may not be ready to go by the start of the NFL season. Governor Larry Hogan been critical of the process, saying Maryland missing out on the money and the longer it takes to get mobile betting off the ground. He wants the committee that's involved in this process to approve mobile betting by the start of the NFL regular season in September. Bettors can go to five casinos in the state and place in-person wagers. The MGM National Harbor in Oxon Hill Live Casino in Hanover, Horseshoe Baltimore, Ocean Downs, and the Hollywood Casino Perryville. Some estimates show 90% of sports betting revenue will come from using the phones, and the commission has cited several roadblocks, including accommodating the needs of female and minority-owned businesses that may need help should they choose to utilize mobile betting. A lot needs to be done. That's your Sports Gambling Minute. How about tech? Very important and more important than ever. And this time, we have a big issue that focuses on a lot of situations beyond just the traditional tech issues. For example, the Australian sports betting startup Cypher Sports Technology raised about $5 million in a Series A round. The company competes in a B2B and B2C space and focuses on predictive analytic betting procedures on its home turf in Australia. Cypher partners with the National Rugby League and the Australian Football League, and they have a lot more other advantages as well as far as entrepreneurialism and development. The sports tech developer has offices in Melbourne and New York City. The B2B includes data analysis and other betting important features that will allow the company to take the next step. That's your sports tech minute. And then finally, as we always do, the good sports topics of the week. As normal, philanthropy taking center stage and continues to do it. Anthony Rizzo's Rizzo Family Foundation night at Yankee Stadium, a great success, a survivor of cancer himself. Rizzo wants to help to do anything in his power to change lives for the better. Amazon eyes Drew Brees for a QB's only megacast of Thursday Night Football. Ex-Chicago Bears uh, Jay, uh, quarterback Jay Cutler told uh, them he'd like an, another shot at NFL TV uh, as there's retired Philip Rivers, who some TV executives envision as the latter-day dandy Don Meredith. Again, a lot of work to be done this summer as far as personalities. PSE partners with local park organizations to leave a lasting legacy, Pacers Sports and Entertainment, the court murals all over Indy, designed to reflect the intersection of basketball and culture that's helped shape the character of Indianapolis neighborhoods for the future. Dolphins linebacker Jalen Phillips teams with Fathead for a fan experience, and the fan experience also will include philanthropy and charity. And finally, LeBron James plans to link up with Kyrie, Kyrie Irving and the Drew League. Fell short, Ir, Ir, Irving no-showed, but LeBron put on a show. Said he's 100% healthy, he's ready to go. The Drew League's played in Compton, some 55 miles away from Thousand Oaks, and the education 
the philanthropy, the taking the next step, all very important to LeBron as he branches out in his philanthropy and charity world. Well, that'll do it from St. Andrews. An incredible week and more to come. We'd like to thank Joe Steranka for being center stage on all of this. We'd like to thank Nick Nielsen, as usual, for putting the show together. And we'd like to thank you for continuing to support us and join us next time. We focus on baseball, basketball, and all other issues in the $1.3 trillion business of sports. Rick Harrow, speak with you soon.